As I told the earlier service, I stand up here today not as a pastor, but as a fellow member of Sand Springs Church. Okay? And I want to tell you something. As Sands, a member of Sand Springs Church, we are a blessed people indeed. Amen. Give God a, a hand of praise for Ingrid and our praise team. That they come and, and lead us to the throne room ever on Sunday mornings, and I rejoice in that. I want to finish today, uh, some weeks ago, months ago, uh, having served in a pastoral ministry for years, uh, I, had, uh, I had grown up with Eric. Eric and I grew up in County Line Baptist Church north of here, and, uh, I, uh, and then had been around ministers for many, many years, having pastored myself. I loved coming in here and him preach, loved the praise and worship, and and one Sunday morning, I heard something in him, I saw something in him that told me he was tired. And uh, I told my wife, uh, as we were leaving here, I said, he's tired, something's wrong. Okay, he's got to have a break. And uh, didn't say anything else, didn't say anything to anybody. And then the following day, uh, I was at work and my phone rang and it was Brother Eric. And he called me and he says, Brother, I, I need to ask you something. He said, uh, he says, I'm, I'm toast. I'm done. He said, I'm tired. I got to have a break. He says, uh, is there any way you could fill in for me on Wednesday night? Now, I had not stood before a church in 14 years. And so I, uh, uh, but I wasn't going to tell my pastor no. And I said, sure, brother, I'll do whatever you need me to do. And he said, uh, he said I, just, I just need a break, okay? And he says, I, I get it. I totally understand, okay? And uh, it was a little disconcerting to me. I'd, we had just talked weeks before that that I was perfectly comfortable sitting in that chair back there and really didn't want to be back up here, okay? But I wasn't going to tell him no, but I heard something in his voice, and I knew it was true. He was physically exhausted. Does that make sense? And so the Lord put on my heart that what we were going to talk about and share out of Scripture, because that's where my heart was, what can we do, okay? What can we do to minister to our ministerial or pastoral staff? Okay? Because that is our job and our responsibility. I know to a lot of Christians that's a foreign concept. There are a lot of great, well-meaning people that think that, well, the, the pastoral staff, the ministers, they've got God. Okay? And God will take care of them. God does take care of them, but God usually uses members to help take care of them. Does that make sense? Okay? They're human beings who have a flesh just like you do, and they get wore out, they get exhausted, and so forth. What tends to happen, I, years ago I was at a, a church, I forgot what the function was, but I was over at a church at Tyler, and I was talking to the pastor there, and I was telling him man, how beautiful the facilities were, and uh, I, I could see all the different ministries and small groups they had going, and, and he said, Jeff, I'm a blessed man. And uh, I said, well, amen, brother. And, and he said, well, I need to explain. He says, the pastor before me wasn't so blessed. He said, the church family was a little rough on him. The demands were high, and honestly, he just wore out. He said, unfortunately, they didn't realize it till he left. And he said, so I'm getting to enjoy some of the benefits they're trying to keep me from wearing out. Does that make sense? And so it, 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 from that time on, it's been on my heart that a job God has given me is to help make sure my pastor don't wear out. So what I want you to do, I want you to take your Bible and go to Exodus chapter 17. 
as we look at some very, this isn't going to be a traditional sermon, but it's, a tr- it's practical ways you and I as members of Sand Springs Church can minister to Brother Eric and Christy, to Ingrid and all the praise and worship team, all of our pastoral staff that helps leads us in worship and takes us to the throne room of heaven. Okay, What can we do to minister to them? Because they need ministry also, just like you and I do. So I want you to listen quickly. Yeah, amen. <laughs> I t- Eric met with me and he said, Brother, he says, you got 20 to 25 minutes. I said, I can't say how you're doing in 25 minutes. He said, well, the light's going to turn red back there in the back on that clock. Well, that last service, I saw the red when the clock said zero, 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 and I'm supposed to see it at 10 minutes, okay? So I really need you to listen fast in this service, okay? Exodus chapter 17, verse 8. Now Amalek came and fought with Israel in Rephidim, and Moses said to Joshua, Choose us some men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I'll stand on top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses and Aaron and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And so it was when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands became heavy. So they took a stone and put it under him and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and one on the other side, and his hands were steady until the going down of the sun, so Joshua defeated Amalek. You all know the story. Moses is holding up the rod of God. Moses had great intentions. He says, look, I'm the pastor. I got this. I can do it myself. You follow me? And lo and behold, what he found out, he couldn't do it by himself. He had to have those who came along beside him to help hold his arm. I'm not sure what the rock was for to sit on, uh, but they propped him up on each side to hold the staff up. Okay? Now then, that's scene number one. Here's scene number two. Chapter 18, what happens, Jethro, who is Moses' father-in-law, hears of all the great things that's been going on. This is verse 1 of chapter 18. And Jethro, the priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law heard all that God had done for Moses and for Israel, his people, and that the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. So I'm going to skip down to verse 7 because what Jethro decides to do, Moses' wife and the two boys are living with him. He's going to take them to Moses, okay? And we get to verse 7. So Moses went out to meet his father-in-law and bowed down and kissed him. And they asked each other about their well-being, and they went out, they went into the tent. And Moses told his father-in-law all that the, now y'all follow the phrases here, all that the Lord had done to Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake, all the hardship that had come upon them on the way and how the Lord had delivered them. Then Jethro rejoiced for all the good which the Lord had done for Israel, whom he had delivered out of the hand of the Egyptians. And Jethro said, Blessed be the Lord, who has delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of Pharaoh, and who has delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all the gods, for in the very thing which they behaved proudly, he was above them." And then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took a burnt offering and other sacrifices to offer to God. And Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses' father-in-law before God. Day one. Day two. Very next verse. And so it was on the next day 
that Moses got up and set to judge the people, and the people stood before Moses from morning until evening, morning unto night. Okay? So when Moses' father-in-law saw that all that he did for the people, he said, he's texting, he said, what are you doing? Hey, he says, what is this thing you are doing for the people? Why do you alone sit and all the people stand before you from morning into evening? And Moses told him in verse 15, look, they're coming to me for me to make decisions in what's going on in their lives. Now, you've got to understand, by this time, the Bible tells us there's 600,000 men that with the women and the children and everybody else, they're probably pushing 2 million people, okay? And now Moses is trying to make judgments for all of these people, and then in verse 17, so Moses' father-in-law said to him, the thing that you're doing is not good. Both you and these people who are with you will surely wear yourselves out. For this thing is too much for you, and you're not able to perform it by yourself. Listen now to my voice. I will give you counsel, and God will be with you. Moses, your job is to stand before God for the people so that you may bring the difficulties to God, and you shall teach them the statutes and the laws and show them the way to go. Okay? So he goes on there, and he goes on to explain to him, Moses, here's what you're going to do. With all this many people, you're going to break it down into groups of thousands, hundreds, fifties, tens, and so forth, and you're going to choose out from among the members those to help delegate and take care of those responsibilities. Why Moses? Because Moses listened to me. Moses, when you were tending my sheep, if I'm not mistaken, who spoke to you out of a burning bush that didn't burn up? Who did? God did. Who called you into ministry, Eric? God did. You follow me? Who called you to go back to Egypt? Who, who brought the plagues on Egypt to deliver you from Pharaoh? God did. Who dried up the Red Sea, Moses? God did. Who, who brought the water back over Pharaoh to drown him? God did. Who brought water from a rock, Moses? God did. Who brought manna from heaven, Moses? God did. Now, Moses, let me get this straight. You got time for everybody, all two million of them, except for God. Now, folks, I'm, I'm sharing this, and it's passionate to me, because I've tried this twice and failed both times. Because I forgot that simple principle. You follow me? Because here's what happens. When you become a pastor, and all of a sudden, we have a, an epidemic in our country of losing pastors every day. Because young pastors, they get saved. The Lord reveals to them they're sinners in need of a Savior. They get saved. They fall in love with the Lord. They start growing in the Lord. And the Lord starts putting a calling on their life. Okay? To follow him in ministry. And it's him and God. Or it's her and God. You follow me? And now all of a sudden they go to a church and they get involved in pastoral ministry. And it's them and God and a thousand other people. Okay? We have over a thousand who come here on Sunday mornings. And so and then what happens? Okay, I've got to administer. Okay, we got to have Sunday school. Okay, we got to have building. We got to have facilities. We got to have transportation. We got to have ministers. On and on and on and on. And so what you end up doing as a young pastor, God, listen, I'm going to get with you, but i got to take care of this stuff first. Amen? So what do we do as a church? And here it is. The first thing that we have to remember as the body here at Sand Springs is we have to honor 
our minister's time. Okay? Our pastoral ministry team, whether it's Ingrid and this group up here, our praise team, whether it's Eric and Christy, we have to honor their time with God. First and foremost, okay? I don't worry as much about, and I, when I was telling them earlier, how much time Eric spends in the office or ever how much time Eric spends in administration or, or doing all those church things, I, he, he does do those things, but I'm much more concerned with how much time Eric is allowed to spend with the Lord. Amen. You follow me? I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. And when I come in here and I've accepted Jesus Christ as Lord of my life, I still need to hear from the throne room of heaven. And Eric can't give me a message he doesn't have. I don't need to hear from Eric Graham. I need to hear from thus saith the Lord. And praise God, every Sunday when I come in here, I hear from thus saith the Lord. You know why? Because Eric has made sure that he's been with the Lord so that he's heard a word from the Lord to bring to us. Our job at Sand Springs is to make sure that we encourage that, we defend that, we support that. That does not mean there are great well-meaning Christians who think that when you have a full-time staff, that that full-time staff is, is there to be at your ever beck and call, and there to be on call 24-7 just for you. Now, folks, I've been a full-time pastor. I've gotten dishes off the top shelf, sweet little lady. Pastor, I'm making a potato salad for social, and I can't get the dish off the top shelf. That's gr- I understand. I love doing it, okay? You follow me? But in doing all of those things, if doing all of those things takes you away from doing the one thing, then we've got a problem. We've got to make sure that our staff, I don't, I don't care if Eric ever sets foot in this office. As long as he sets foot in the throne room of heaven. Does that make sense? The same thing with Ingrid and the praise team. I need them selfishly during the week going to God. And when they go to God, listen, when you have a a praise team that's been saturated with the presence of God, you have a pastor that's been saturated with the presence of God, immersed in the Word of God, filled with the Spirit of God, then they've got something to come in here and sing about and something to say. And our job is to encourage and defend that. If you look over, I think it's in the book of Luke, one of the passages that I, that I referred to. And, and if you look in, a, here we go, Luke chapter 5 and verse 15. This is, they're talking about Jesus here. It says, however, the report went out concerning him all the more, and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him in their infirmity. So he, this is Jesus in verse 16, so he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. If our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who was 100% God and 100% man, needed to get away so that he could spend time with God the Father, then how much more does Eric and Ingrid and you and I? Amen? Because let me get this straight. As we were sharing earlier, who convicted you that you were a sinner in need of a Savior? God did. Who sent the Holy Spirit to indwell you Okay, until Christ come back? God did. Who's got his son sitting at the right hand living to make intercession for you? God does. Who's got his son up there preparing a place for you so that where he is you can be one day? God does. Amen? So we've got time for everybody but God? 
Ladies and gentlemen, we as a church and we as individuals have to make absolutely sure that we honor our minister's time. We support it. We encourage it. We defend it. Okay? I want you to listen. Go to Mark real quick. Okay? This is Mark chapter 6. The disciples have been sent out. Okay? He sent out the 12 disciples. He sent them two by two. They're coming back. They've been out. They've been healing the sick. I mean, great things are happening. They've been teaching the word. Listen, to this is Mark chapter 6 and verse 30. Then the apostles gathered to Jesus and told him all the things, both what they had done and what they had taught. And he said to them, come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. Okay? He had sent them out in the power of his Holy Spirit. But even empowered by the Holy Spirit, he understood their humanity. And in their humanity, they had to have a break. Right now, Eric and Christy are in Scotland. Then they're going to Europe. They're supposed to, when I told him that day, when he called me and told me his turn, I said, Brother, I thought you were going on a sabbatical. And he said, well, I am. He said, maybe time's not right. I'm going to go this fall. I said, well, we need to make a time. I, I shared in here that Wednesday night. We need to make him go. Okay? He's gone, and we need to defend that. He's been here 20 years as the shepherd of this flock. And, folks, it's time for a break. He needs a break. We need to, there are people who don't understand. They think all that boy does is work on Wednesdays and Sundays. Okay, You can't preach what he preaches working on Sundays and Wednesdays. You follow me? Folks, everything you're hearing coming out of his mouth is because what's going on in his life Monday through Saturday. Hallelujah. And we need to, amen. We need to encourage it and support that. We need to honor their time. Uh, a friend of mine was here in the first service. I've known him for years, and he, he's always telling me, he said, Jeff, he said, listen, I, my time with God, he owns some land with a bunch of trees and stuff and woods, and he said, man, I, find, I go out in the middle of those woods, I get surrounded by nature, I find me a tree stump, and I sit down on that tree stump, and I'm wrapped in the solitude of God in nature, and he says, I worship, okay? Well, I want to tell you something. When you better, we better make sure Eric always has a tree stump. Okay? At the same time, you need to make sure you have one. And as I told them, get you a chainsaw and make one if you don't. Right? Honor their time. The second thing, join him in the journey. For way too, if you listen to the words of these songs, for way too long, way too long, what Christians have done is we lived our life Monday through Saturday and we've come in here and we've depended on the pastor. Pastor, you take care of my religious stuff for me. You follow me? We're just like the, the I was sharing with our small group the other night. We're, we're just like in chapter 20 of Exodus, the people, when they got real close to the presence of God, it scared them. And they said, hey, Moses. Look, you handle this God thing. You tell us what he says. We're good. Okay? We'll go live our life out here. That's never the way it was intended. 
You follow me? If you go back to Exodus chapter 17, Moses is sitting there and his arms are about to crumble. Okay? He's trying to hold the staff up. He can't. And it starts coming down. And when it starts coming down, they start losing the battle. And so what happens? Aaron and her come alongside him to help pick it up. Sand Springs, we're a church of a thousand people now. Over a thousand here on Sunday mornings between the people in here and all the ministries that go on outside here. Okay? We cannot continue down the path that we're going. God's drawing. By the way, this isn't man-made. If, you was gonna, if I was going to go out in man-made momentum, okay, Gary, Eric and I were talking about this the other day. If this was man-made, I'd go build, we'd go build us a big family life center. We'd get a circus off to the side. You follow me? We'd have all kinds of shows going and everything else. That's man-made momentum. In case you hadn't noticed, we got a little bitty building on a little bitty track of land. There ain't room here for nobody. Okay? This is God-made, not man-made. And the reason it is is because Ingrid and the praise team and Eric and Christy, when they come to us, they bring to us what God brought to them. You follow me? But in that, for all of those that God is continuing to draw, we're going to have to surround Eric with a ministry team. We're going to have to add staff as time goes by. I don't know when that is. That's up to, to our shepherd. He'll let you know. As I told them earlier, preferably some younger, more energetic people. Okay? <laughs> Because uh, as I also told them, when, when Eric hit me up about doing this, I said, fine. Because when I'd come in here and there were three services, there were three different preachers. Okay? And then Christy said, oh, by the way, you're doing all three. Okay? So I've never done all three before. I've just done one service, and I'm toast after that. We have got to surround that boy with staff, and here's why. The more brothers and sisters God draws, the greater the demand. Do you follow me? And the greater the demand on his time, the more time he's got to spend at the cross. Hello? Okay. We've got to do that. Now then, go to Ephesians chapter 4. Because in joining him on the journey, he's got to have staff, but he's also got to have servants that come along beside him. If you go to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, And he himself gave some to be apostles and some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Ladies and gentlemen, the danger of us sitting and watching and letting Eric be our religious spokesman for us is all Eric's job is supposed to be is going to God and coming back and equipping you and me for the work of the ministry in Sand Springs Church. Does that make sense? The work of the ministry is our job. And what tends to happen, as I told him when he asked me one day about serving, I told him, I'm just fine sitting in that chair back there. The problem is, nothing ever changes in that chair. Amen? God didn't call us here. He didn't call you here or me here to sit in a chair. He called us here to minister. When you drove up today, you saw ministers helping park cars. You saw ministers at the door greeting you. You saw ministers helping to seat you. You saw ministers who provide security here. You follow me? 
You see ministers all around here teaching, uh, working in the nursery, teaching in children's ministry. There's ministry opportunities everywhere. There's over a thousand people coming here on Sunday morning, and a lot of them God is drawing here. They're looking for a church home. They're looking for a family to be a part of, to support them, and they, and they can serve God in. Okay, But in that, they need us. Okay, we've got to be the one to reach out to them. What tends to happen, we hang out a sign. Damn, y'all need an escalator. (laughs) We hang out a sign that says, y'all come. God never said, y'all come. God said, go tell. Am I right? So when God is bringing people here, it's our job to reach out to them. We we want to say, y'all just fit in. Y'all just make yourself at home. We got to show them how they can make yourself at home. We've got to show them where they can serve and what. Do you follow me here? That's our job to to be proactive in that. Amen. Oh, crud, red. I want to tell you something. There's one thing that I rejoice in in Sand Springs. We've got these down already. We know that our pastor has to spend time with God, and we support it. There's a, every church conference I've ever went to talks about the 80-20 rule. Do you all know what the 80-20 rule is? 20% of the people doing 80% of the work. Okay. That's not the case. We came here several months ago. There was a banquet held here for all the individuals who serve here in Sand Springs in some capacity. And this room was packed wall to wall. I was blown away. But that needs to be all of us. As I told them, if you can pray, okay, you've got a job here at Sand Springs. If you can encourage, if you can exhort, if you can cook, if, if you can call people, you can send emails. There is something to do here in this church family, ladies and gentlemen. And it's time to get out of the chair and get involved, plain and simple. Last but not least, we need to honor their time. You want to really help them, join them in the journey where it's not just them. And when you do, you've got to make it personal. Okay, and here's what I mean by that. Exodus chapter 19. Moses had gone up to God, verse 3. Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him. Do you see now why Jethro told Moses, Moses, you've got to quit spending so much time in the office? Because Moses, you've got to take time to go talk to God. And when he goes talks to God, God tells him, In verse 5, now therefore, if you will indeed indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to be above all people, and for for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. 1 Peter 2, 9. You know what he's talking about there? He's talking about the old covenant. Okay. Moses, I brought y'all out of bondage. I've set the captives free, okay? And here's the old covenant that I want you to follow, but all the old covenant is for is to point to the new covenant. Because in the new covenant, Peter says in chapter 2 and verse 9, he's talking to you and I, by the way, not the nation of Israel. He says, you're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. 
a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into marvelous light. Amen. Amen. You see, God was telling Moses about a covenant that was going to be written on rock, on a stone. But that covenant on the stone pointed to a covenant that was going to be written on our heart. God was telling Moses about a covenant where our sins were going to be covered by the blood of bulls and goats. But it was pointing to a covenant where our sins would be paid for by the blood of the Lamb. Amen? God was telling Moses about a covenant that was national for the nation of Israel. God was pointing to a covenant that was going to be personal between you and him. Amen? You see, when Jesus died on the cross, the veil got ripped in two. From God's side, down. You follow me? So that this could be personal. This message wasn't about Eric or Ingrid. Truthfully, it's about you and me. Is it personal? I told the church earlier. <laughs> I came in here and we're all zeros again. <laughs> the first time I came in here with my Southern Baptist background and conservative to the core, and I saw a barefoot girl dancing on stage. Bouncing all over the place and Robert carrying on on one side as I told them I didn't know if I was at jazzercise or snake handling <laughs> And the problem was I was scared of both <laughs> But here's what I found out and I told I told him the other day I said girl I'll be honest with you, I, I thought you was crazy <laughs> Okay, but here's what I discovered You know why she you know why she has a joy like that? Hello. Ingrid doesn't have to get up here and make this up. No, Ingrid's been doing that all week. She's been being crazy all week. But you see, Ingrid's been in the presence of the Most High God long before she comes in here on Sunday morning. Eric's been spending time with Most High God long before he comes in here on Sunday morning. So why don't we make this personal? Who you've been spending time with. Yeah. Yeah. You follow me? Isn't it time to get out of that chair? Yeah. Let's make it personal. Because yeah. when you do, <clears throat> you're fixing to minister to your pastor like you never have before. Yeah. <laughs> He's a cowboy. But he won't need spurs if you do this. He'll need some reins to try to hold you back. Yeah. Amen? I'm going to ask the praise team to come as we prepare to, to worship our way out. But guys, I'm begging you. I love this kid. You follow me? You've got a good one. I hope you appreciate that. I hope you praise God for that. You have an awesome praise team. We need to rejoice in that. Maybe you need to join them. We've got great ministries here. But can I tell you something? They may be missing you. Hello? 
They're missing somebody. They need somebody. And it just might be you. So it's time. Sand Springs is time to make it personal. I'm going to ask everyone to stand. This altar is going to be open. Counselors will be here on the side. Maybe you don't need to be a counselor. It doesn't need to be a counselor. It just needs to be you and God. You see, when you make it personal, it's not about you and Eric. Not about you and Ingrid. Not about the praise team. Not about you and Sand Springs. It's about you and him. So whatever he's calling you today, you come. This altar is open.